doing? I'd like to welcome you to this episode of Steer Your Futures podcast. And today I've got a really interesting topic for you guys. I know a lot of people deal with confidence problems and especially past clients I've helped, right? They came to me and they had issues with their confidence levels. And before you understand how to get confidence, it's always important to understand the psychology of confidence, to understand what confidence is, right? And then we go further and ask ourselves, how do we get more of it? So in today's podcast, I want to share with you how you can go about understanding the true meaning of confidence in your life. And then we'll share some tips on how you can develop more of it. So let's get started. to ask you what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you what confidence is what would you say because for most people it's one of the following it's to feel confident it's maybe a personality trait or maybe confidence to them is a belief in their abilities or maybe it's self-esteem but the truth is Confidence is none of these things, right? And let me explain why it's not either of these things. First off, confidence is not a feeling. The truth is that feelings like nervousness, anxiety, apprehension, and fear are totally normal. Confident people still feel these things, yet they're confident. And confidence is not a personality trait either. Many people interpret extroverted people who are outgoing and like the spotlight, is being confident. And they judge introverted people who are more quiet and reserved as not being confident. But the truth is, there are many seemingly outgoing people who have very low levels of confidence and many reserved people who have extremely high levels of self-confidence. So, so far we've determined that confidence is not a feeling, right? Confidence is not a personality trait either does not depend on whether you're extroverted or introverted. It's simply not the case. Now let's go further. Let me tell you that confidence is not a belief in your abilities. Believing you're good at something is competency, not confidence. You can be confident that you're good at something, but you can also be confident that you're bad at something. Therefore, the definition of confidence can be that it's your level of certainty in your ability. So you can be confident that you're a terrible speaker and you're pretty certain that you're right. But in this situation, you see confidence is not a good thing. This type of confidence doesn't serve you and it definitely does not take you where you wanna go. It's referred to as self-validation because we tend to act on what we're certain about. Now this causes us to create the outcome that we expect and therefore we validate the belief system. We create a cycle. But as you know, this is not helpful. This is not the confidence that you want. So we need a better definition of confidence. And finally, confidence is not the same thing as self-esteem, which is really just self-judgment. The self-esteem movement has existed for decades and it encourages people to think positive about themselves. Now, while it may make you feel good in the moment and I support it, right? It doesn't lead to real confidence. 
In fact, you know, the need to feel good about yourself can actually lower your confidence because the growth and success often requires you to do things you're bad at in the beginning to get comfortable with, right? We all start somewhere and therefore it leads you to having a negative self-judgment of yourself when you realize it's not going the way you want it to go. So by seeking to feeling good all times, we can actually hold ourselves back. So if your confidence is improved by success and, you know, diminished by failure, then you're talking about self-esteem, not confidence. And in this case, one way, you know, you can try boost your self-esteem is by being better than others, which usually means acting confident or being arrogant or constantly competing. The only other way to win in this situation is to lower your standards and make your goals easier to accomplish. So you win more and therefore you feel better about yourself. But in the end, you lose. You lose because your ego is big, but your self-esteem is vulnerable. For example, if you build your self-esteem around your looks, but you age, you know, which we all will, well, your self-esteem may plummet. If you build it around being smart, but you find yourself around smarter people, you'll shrink back down, right? In fact, you'll probably surround yourself with less smart people just to boost your own ego. If you build your self-esteem around being right, which is extremely common in a lot of people, you will harm your relationships. You'll battle with someone you love to win and end up losing that trust and that love. And it may also mean that you'll battle for bad ideas just because they're yours. So you may be wondering, okay, Sadiq, so what should you build your self-esteem around? You should build it around your ability to learn, your ability to be resourceful. The goal is to develop an identity of someone that can grow, someone that can change, someone that can learn and figure it out along the way. If you can do those things, you cannot fail. You cannot. And your belief in yourself is no longer vulnerable. So we've determined that confidence is not a feeling. And although you will feel confident, it's not a fixed trait. It's not simply a belief in yourself. So what is it? Well, confidence is a skill. It's one that can be developed and strengthened like a muscle, right? So confidence is a willingness to try combined with the trust that you can figure it out. And a willingness to try means a willingness to act, even if there is fear and uncertainty present. And trust doesn't mean that, you know, you trust you won't fail. It means that you trust that even if you do fail, you learn something from it and you continue to try until you figure it out. When you define confidence based on action, it allows you to develop competency. First, you want to identify what areas do you want to develop confidence in, right? So take inventory of your life. Take inventory of yourself. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's, you know, developing muscle at the gym. Maybe it's learning a new language. Where do you want that confidence for yourself and for your life? When you can figure that out, you've got a goal for an area in your life for which to take action. So when you try, you know, you either succeed or you receive valuable insights. But either way, you learn, you grow, you develop, and then you apply what you've learned to improve your abilities and your skills. And that gives you competency. So at that point, not only do you have a high self-esteem because your competency is better, but you have true confidence because you know that no matter where you are right now, your willingness to try is what unlocks your future and full potential.
by developing confidence is developing an identity of someone who will take action and figure it out. Now, in order to have this identity, you have to believe that you have control over your life and that you'll take action. So how can you do this? Well, firstly, let me share with you there's two foundational concepts, psychological concepts that need to be in place for this to happen for you. Okay. Now, the first one, I call it locus of control. Now, what does this mean? Well, this refers to what you believe is and is not within your control. Some people feel like life is simply happening to them. Like, you know, they're a victim of whatever it is that happens. They have an external locus of control. Now, there exists others who believe they have control over their lives. And when something, even if it's negative, happens to them or appears to happen to them, they can still look at the outcomes of that and choose a positive outcome. They have an internal locus of control. Now, everyone varies how much control they think they have, depending on the different circumstances in their life. So the question is, how do you develop on the different circumstances an internal locus of control and feel empowered about your life? Now, this is where the second psychological concept comes in. And this is called bias towards action. You see, if you feel like your life is totally outside your control, you're unlikely to take action because you don't believe that it's going to make any difference. You have a bias towards inaction in this case. In order to overcome this, you have to begin taking action and seeing what happens. There's a cool technique for taking action and you know it's called the five second rule. You may have heard of it, you may not have. Now this is really great for helping you practice taking action. The goal is to act when you normally wouldn't. And this will lead you to change circumstances for yourself, which otherwise wouldn't have changed. And doing this over time shows yourself that you do have more influence over your life than you originally thought. You develop a bias towards action, meaning you believe you're the type of person who takes action to influence their own life. And then this develops an internal locus of control and makes you feel empowered to direct your own life. It gives you confidence. But there is one underlying psychological principle that is even more important to understand. It's the core belief that ultimately determines your ability and my ability to have an internal locus of control and a bias towards action. It's the one key ingredient to developing confidence. And it also happens to be the same belief that differentiates those who are successful from those who aren't. But truthfully, it's not just a belief, it's a mindset. It's a way of looking at yourself and your life. People who have this mindset are more resilient. They're better at coping with failure. And they're more likely to change themselves and challenge themselves. Ultimately, they're more confident. Those who do not have it are less resilient. They're poor at coping with failure. And they avoid challenges that could reveal their flaws. If you don't already have this mindset, the good news is you can learn it. As I've learned it, sometimes even simply knowing about it can simply alter our lives because it changes the way we look at ourselves, it changes the way you look at yourself. Now, the fixed mindset is a belief that the same characteristics that we have, you know, are fixed at birth or they become locked in at a certain age, right? 
And this supports the view that some people are inherently more talented than others. That's just the way that it is, people will say, and it always will be. So if you feel that part of you thinks that intelligence and your talents are fixed, then you're not alone. Because most people, especially in the Western world, believe this because our culture teaches us that it's true. So it's not your fault. Emphasis is put on testing us to determine our intelligence all throughout our lives, such as taking IQ tests or being graded in school. No one stops to think that taking a certain test at a certain age on a certain day cannot bring you a different score if you take the same test months later, weeks later, when you've learned more, when you're in a better mood, when you've matured. But we're taught these tests identify what we've got and that's it. We're stuck with it. And we live in a culture that's obsessed with natural talent. Imagine two tennis players with equal level of ability having a tennis game. And you have one who's a natural who's barely even had to try. And the other who's had to work 10 hours a day to perform at that same level. Who would you bet on to win? The one who's put in the effort and the graft and you know has really exceeded himself and challenged himself? Or the one who didn't have to use any effort at all? Truth is, a lot of people will go with the person who had no effort involved, right? And it's kind of sad because although natural talent is, you know, great when it seems to be the case that no effort is required, the person that puts in the effort to get to that level is just a viable candidate, is just as able to win the game. And by putting all of this emphasis on natural talent, you see what we're doing is we're giving ourselves a way out. We're giving ourselves an excuse for not taking action, for not improving ourselves, for not being the, the highest ability that we can be. And we do it because we tell ourselves, ah, you know, I wasn't any good the first time I did it. Therefore, I'll never be good. And I tell you what, that is a dangerous, dangerous thing to say to yourself. That I'll never be good just because on the first attempt I wasn't too great. I can give you many success stories of individuals who failed their way to success. They literally failed and failed and failed and failed. Thomas Edison, for example, 10,000 failed experiments, right? And we shouldn't even call it failed experiments. He didn't see it as failures. He saw it as 10,000 ways that didn't work, right? 10,000 ways of not to do what he was doing. And you see, that's what successful people do. They use their perspective to turn things around in their heads. So where does this lead us? Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about emotional versus logical confidence. Now, there's really two different aspects of our brain. And there's two different ways that we sometimes interpret information and process information within ourselves. If you're learning something, for example, and you're getting emotional about it, it gets imprinted in your brain easier, right? It enters your subconscious mind easier. Or if you have a great positive experience, it might be easier to recall it, right? But you should know that negative and positive imprints can both lead to confidence. Sometimes when people feel anxious, they can fall into feeling depression, right? They can fall into the feeling of depression and they translate that into anger. Why? Why do you think that is? Well, it's because more often than not, anger makes them feel empowered. It makes them feel confident. So sometimes people switch to the emotion anger because it's a lot easier emotion to feel and it's a lot easier emotion to make us feel control or empowered. 
So it's learning how to use our emotions that truly help us because you have a pain and pleasure principle. So if you want something in life, if you want to change something in life, you have to learn the pain at an emotional level. What happens if you don't develop confidence in the area that you seek? Like really think about that. What, what happens if it doesn't happen for you? you? You'll probably feel the pain, right? If you really think about that question of not having the confidence that you seek. So if it doesn't change, then what's going to happen to you in five years, in 10 years? And at the same time, I want you to look at the pleasure of what would happen if you did achieve the confidence that you seek, right? You see, if you can meet yourself at an emotional level, you'll be more committed to being able to create that change long term. It's not a coincidence. By getting emotionally involved with an idea, it's what spurs you on to actually try and make it happen, right? I'll give you an example of a goal. You're setting a goal and you've got two people, right? Now, one person is setting a goal because maybe his parents told him or told her that it's what they wanted them to achieve. For example, getting into a certain school, right? So it was never in the child's interest to go to the school. In fact, the child had a different idea of what he wanted to do or what she wanted to do. But their parents, you know, really told them, hey, we really want you to get to this school. And, you know, the child being a good child, an obedient child, will say, okay, well, that's my goal. I need to get into this school. Now, this child isn't very emotionally involved with this goal because, firstly, it wasn't his goal or it wasn't her goal, right? It was their parents' goal. It was someone else's goal. Now, compare that with a child who has always set his sights on getting into a certain acting school, a certain drama school, right? And they know that if they can just get into this school, their future will be set. They'll make it big time. Now, who do you think is more motivated to making it happen? The person who rests their future, their career, their dreams on the idea of getting to a certain school? Or the child who's simply going off the wishes of their parents and thinking, okay, well, actually, I don't really want to go to this school, but my parents really want me to go, so I'll try and go to this school. It's going to be stronger in the child who set their ambitions, their dreams, their careers, their hopes on getting into the school. And the determining factor for that is the emotion that they've associated with that. The first child, for all we knew, he may or she may have set their sights on another school. They may have become emotionally attached to another school, right? But their parents didn't approve of that school. Their parents wanted them to go somewhere else. Now, it's going to be very difficult to get emotionally involved with a different idea, a different idea of your own, right? But if you're getting involved with an idea that's yours, that's personal to you, well, just believe that you're going to have a much, much greater chance of making it happen for yourself because you'll be motivated through thick and thin, you know, good days, bad days. You'll stay on the course because you know that this is what you want. You know that this is what you need to do to get to where you're trying to get to. Right. So with confidence, firstly, ask yourself, where do I want to reach this confidence? in? Where do I want to achieve this confidence? And then get emotional with it. What would happen if I didn't achieve it? What would happen if I did? Because by getting emotionally involved with it, you give yourself the, the secret ingredients to really bringing it to fruition for yourselves. I hope this has helped. See you soon.